Welcome to the Anchor Church Podcast. We are so glad you're here. For more content and upcoming events, visit anchorchurchcsra.com. Matthew chapter 5, friends, let's turn there together. Turn with me in your Bible to the first book in the New Testament, the Gospel of Matthew. We've been there for a few weeks now. In the Sermon on the Mount, we're talking about a kingdom-centered life. We talk all the time about being kingdom-minded, kingdom-centered. Well, what does that mean? We don't just want to use churchy language around here. We want to actually define what we're talking about. And my goal this morning is to make that even more incredibly simple, but even more incredibly compelling for us to live out this call that Jesus gives. I mean, he came to preach about the kingdom. So what is this business? Well, Jesus says in his longest recorded sermon ever, The next installment, this next episode, episode four of our series, are you right with your brothers and sisters? That's the question. Are you right with your brothers and sisters? Now, kids in the room, you may go like, does that mean like my brother, brother, like the one that sleeps next to me in the room that I share with them or in my house? Yes. Does it mean my friends at school? Sure. Does it mean my neighbors? Uh Uh-huh. Does it mean with, people that I don't necessarily get along with or agree about stuff with? Absolutely. Jesus wants us to live at peace with others. And he tells us about that in this section of his sermon. I couldn't help while preparing for the sermon to think about one of my favorite shows of all time. I'm just gonna show you how big of a nerd I am. All right, this is um, a little bit of a confession. The show is called How It's Made. How many of you watch this show before, how it's made. And the great thing about how it's made, what it is, if you're not familiar with the show, it's pretty self-explanatory. They take a product or an item that you'd be familiar with, let's say a bowling ball, or let's say your coffee cup that you're drinking out of this morning, that bag right there, I mean, any this chair, anything, any object you could think of, and you don't necessarily know how it's made. So they show you how it's made. (laughs) All right, so you see where they get the name from. The awesome thing about this show is that they show you how stuff is made that you didn't care that you knew how it was made. You've never thought about it in a million years. I never knew that that I would be interested in how a pencil is made. I mean, I never think about these sorts of things, but when you watch the show, you see all that goes into making this object, making this product, and it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing how they make, you see, you see all the intentionality into it. Molds being poured into things, steam coming up out of these big machines. And it takes place, usually, most things are made at a factory. And our hearts are that very thing. Our hearts are a factory. Many things are made in our hearts. Now kids, this is a metaphor. We're talking about a symbol, so I'm not, lit- I'm not talking about your heart that's right here that pumps blood all over your body. When we say your heart in the Bible, we're really, we're really talking about our mind. The mind and heart are very connected in Scripture. So, so when we say our heart, we're talking about the place where, you know how we make good choices and bad choices sometimes, kids? We're, we're talking about, we, we use our heart to do that. You know how we love somebody? How we love them so much, we care about them? That comes from the heart. And then as Jesus is gonna show us this morning, when we talk about anger, even that comes from the heart. Different things we feel, different things we experience, different things we do, it all comes from the heart. 
the heart. It comes from the heart that is the factory. And things are made in this factory. And what Jesus wants us to do, Jesus is obsessed with the heart. We said that last week, right? He's obsessed with the heart. And he wants us to look at the heart of the matter, not just what's on the outside, but what's on the inside. You're tracking with me, good. So remember that context. Jesus is preaching to everybody and included in this mix are these people that seem like they follow all the rules. They seem like they got it all together, but really they got a lot of problems. And there's these other people who are there and they're just kind of there to see Jesus do some, some more miracles or to see him do something impressive. They're, they're just kind of there for the show. You, you ever see that person in social media, adults in the room, and they, they post the gif of uh, Michael Jackson eating popcorn. They're just there for the comments to observe. There's some people there that are just there for the comments. And then there's some others that are people that Jesus has said, hey, come and follow me. And you know what? They didn't say, oh, where, where are we going? What do, you, what do you mean? They said, okay. And they left everything and followed him. And so here we are. God is primarily concerned with our hearts. There's a few encouragements this morning that I wanna toss our way from God's word. The first one is this. And feel free to write this down for you note takers. If you don't have a notebook, that's okay. You can pull out your phone, notepad. I won't be offended at all. Just type, type on notepad because I know for me, uh, it helps me stay engaged when I'm taking notes. And so this first one is, watch your heart before it gives way to evil actions. So everybody say it with me, watch your heart. Good, all right, watch your heart. Just lean into that before it gives way to these evil actions. Let's just read a couple verses together, shall we? 521, Matthew 521. Jesus says this phrase, and you're gonna hear it, you're gonna see this pattern, this formula. You have heard that it was said to our ancestors. Ancestors, kids, are people that lived a long time ago, kind of like your family. They might be people that you were related to in your family, people that you weren't. So ancestors, you've heard it was said to them a long time ago, what did they say? Do not murder. How many of you have ever heard that commandment before? Do not murder. That's, that's a really good idea, right? Our world works better when we don't murder. And God made that really clear. In the 10 commandments, this is the number six commandment. He says, hey, don't commit murder because all life comes from God. Every person is made in the image of God. You're made in the image of God. Did you know that, kiddos in the room? Did you know you're made in God's image? Good. I know, I, I know you guys learned about that in Anchor Kids and Anchor Littles, that you're made in God's image. That, that means that we're made to be like, like, like little mirrors that reflect God's glory. Like we're like little mirrors and he shines his light. And what does a mirror do? It, shine, it, it reflects the light onto everything around it. And that's, that's what it means to be in the kingdom. That's where we, when we talk about being kingdom centered, we're talking about shining that light. It's just sounding like the sermon we preached a couple weeks ago. To let your light shine before men. Well, we gotta watch our heart, friends. And Jesus says, you've heard it was said before, do not murder. Whoever murders will be subject to judgment. Everybody in the room familiar with that? If you murder someone, you're gonna be punished. Like it's, it's not only not a good idea, but you're going to be punished. There will be a cost to that. Sin and especially murder must be accounted for. It didn't take us very long in the Bible to see that, did it? Genesis chapter four, foundations people, been reading through, right? It's like the Bible starts, God made everything, it's good. Genesis three, man, man and woman sin before the Lord. And in Genesis four, we're already killing people. It, does, it did not take long for anger 
to turn into murder. So what does Jesus say? You've, you've heard it said before, don't murder. Whoever murders is going to be punished. But I tell you, everybody needs to underline that in their Bible or write it on your notes in all caps. Kids, if you're taking notes this morning, you got your note sheet there. If, if you can write, if, you're, if you've learned to do that in school, or if you're just figuring it out, it's okay. Just write, but I tell you. And your mom or dad or grandma, uncle, aunt, whoever's here with you kind of helping you, they can help you write that down. But I tell you. Because remember, when Jesus says that, Everybody else said, well, I heard it from so-and-so and and I heard it from so-and-so. Jesus says, I tell you, because it's in my authority that I say this, because only God can say those words. And Jesus is God with skin and bones on. So what does Jesus say? What is is Jesus gonna say that's different than this or that helps amplify? It's really not different. Jesus says, everyone who is angry with his brother or sister will be what? So, so we got the same result, subject to judgment. They're gonna be punished. But then he says, everyone who's angry. Ooh, okay, so at first it sounded like it didn't really apply to us. Like, yeah, those murderers, yeah. <laughs> like, never done that, okay? And I, I doubt anyone here has, okay? I've never, I've never murdered anybody, but, oops, I, ooh, anger. Yeah, anybody in the house experience anger now, now and then? Yes, it's something we all feel, we all experience, we all struggle to manage that anger. And friends, we've received some really bad advice along the way, especially in the church. Sometimes, unfortunately, in some places we've heard, you've just got to pretend like it doesn't exist. When you feel angry, I'll just ignore that. That's bad, so just ignore it, and it'll go away. Now, let's all level with one another for a second. If you ignore a problem, does it go away? What happens when we ignore a problem? It gets worse, and, we're get, and Jesus is getting there in a minute. So we'll, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Let's just say this. Not only are our hearts a factory, but they're also this. I'll throw up a picture here and see if we know what this next object is. It's not an outer space. It's not a planet, kids. Don't, don't get excited. We'll preach on aliens next week. I'm kidding. All right, what is this? It's a Petri dish. All right, now, kids, I know we haven't had biology yet, so we're going to go over this, all right? You know when you go to a restaurant, kids, and you, and you get a kid's cup, right? That little cute kid's cup with pictures on it. And there's usually like a red top on top, like a plastic red top that fits. If you took off that red top and flipped it upside down, that's kind of what you have here. It's like a small bowl that's about the size of that kid's top. Now, what do we do with these things? Well, scientists, what they do, they take their little, you seen those little droppers before where you kind of like suck up water and then you kind of, spits it out in these little drops. They'll use those instruments and a lot of other instruments to do these experiments. And what they do is they grow things in a Petri dish. A Petri dish is where things grow. That's what I want you to know this morning. And see, the thing about a Petri dish, you can grow good things in a Petri dish. Sometimes they grow, and actually most of the time people grow bacteria in these. Now bacteria, we go, ew, that's like infection. That that makes me sick. That makes me feel terrible. Yeah, that's bad bacteria, but there's good bacteria. And the best place for that good bacteria to be is in your stomach because it helps you digest food. And so we have good things that grow here and bad things that grow here, but things grow here. And our hearts are no different. Our hearts are a factory where things are made. Our hearts are a Petri dish where sometimes things grow. In fact, if you look at the definition, you know, this is such a popular, this isn't out of left field. We use this term all the time. We say, oh, that's a Petri dish for blank. Oh, that's a Petri dish for disaster. Oh, that's a, it's it's usually something negative. But here's what uh, Webster, here's what the definition just says. 
A petri dish, as we use that phrase, is a place or situation in which something can be tested, examined, or encouraged to develop. Does that sound like our hearts? A place where things can be tested? Absolutely. Happens in the Bible all the time, happens in us all the time. God tests us. He tests what's there. See if it's real, see if it's legit, see if it's good, see if it's bad. Is our heart, are, are our hearts a place where we're examined? Yes, Psalm 139, Lord, search me. See if there be any faulty way within me or hidden way within me, hidden sin that isn't always obvious. And then places where our hearts are places where things are encouraged to develop. So things develop in our heart, things grow in our heart, things change in our hearts. So we ought to pay attention to our hearts, all right? Jesus said himself, from the overflow of the heart, the mouth is gonna speak. Everything we say and everything we do is connected back to our heart. All right, so we've laid the foundation. You know what else the Bible says? Let's look at Proverbs 4.22. This is a great verse to memorize, kids and adults. Ready? What What are these first words? Can we just read these words together? Guard your heart. Let's read those together again. Ready? Guard your heart. What do we do when we guard something? Hi-ya! We protect it, right, kids? Nobody's getting in here. I'm gonna protect my heart. All right, we guard something that we love and care about. Something that's important to us, right? If you've got money, you probably guard it. You probably don't keep your wallet on a necklace out in front of you with cash dangling all over the place so somebody can easily take it. You put your wallet in your Back pocket, generally, if you're in a special place, you might put it in your front pocket, attached to something, all right? But we protect the things that are important to us. Things that are really important, we might put in a firebox or like a special safe. And you know banks do that with your money. When you deposit in your bank account, they, they put that money in a vault and in a safe. And our hearts, guys, we have to do the same thing. We have to guard our heart. We have to care about what's in our heart. Now, Jesus is not saying that unrighteous anger is equal to murder. That's what I've heard most of the preaching about this verse is, is Jesus, well, Jesus is equating or making the same unrighteous anger and murder. He says they're exactly the same thing. Friends, we all know that's not true, okay? There's a big difference between having an outburst of anger and going off and murdering somebody. There's a clear, stark difference. But what Jesus is saying is that that murder comes from a murderous heart. And that murderous heart comes from murderous attitudes. So God is not just concerned with eliminating murderous hearts, but he's also concerned with murderous attitudes or thinking, right? Because everything we think, our attitudes, affect what we do. All right, so let's do a little experiment together. If you have a good attitude, what day are you probably gonna have? A good day, right? If you have a bad attitude, you're just set on having a bad attitude. You're probably going to have a bad day, right? Bad attitude, bad day. It doesn't always work out that way. Sometimes you have a bad day and you gotta have a good attitude anyway. That happens sometimes. But our attitudes affect what we say and what we do. Your attitude is powerful. Attitude is how we think about things. It's our, it's our uh, adults, the, the big word would be our disposition. It's our posture. It's how we're facing the world and we're, we're ready for this or that. We want to have a good attitude. We want to have not murderous attitudes. And so again, God is concerned with the heart. When the Bible talks about anger, when they use the word anger, they're talking about unrighteous anger. There is good anger. Did you know that kids? Sometimes it's okay to be angry. We're not saying that anger is always bad. 
It, it can be, we need to make sure though that we're angry about the right things and that we're, um, the Bible says, in your anger, do not sin. And so anger is not the bad thing, but usually when we are angry, let's just all be honest, usually when we are angry, it's usually not the good kind. But it can be. We just need to test our hearts. And that comes back to the Petri dish and the, and, and the factory. We have to make sure what's being made in there. We have to inspect our hearts and then ask God, God, show me, help my heart. Let's use another science uh, thing, a, metri- a, oh my goodness, a microscope. God's word is like that microscope that looks deep into our hearts to see what's really there. And so God cares deeply about anger. Let's just look at three quick verses in the Bible about anger. All right? We're just going to do a little, a little quick flyby. All right? You guys have seen the football games where the military flies over, you know, the planes, and they fly over the football game. This is like a little flyover. All right? A patient person shows great understanding, but a quick-tempered person promotes foolishness. That's from Proverbs 14, 29. Here's another one. Refrain from anger. Refrain, kids, means stop. Stop anger. And give up your rage. Rage is a word. Think about when a pot of water is boiling and it spills over. You got that flat cooktop and it's sizzling and all that stuff. That's what rage is. It's, a, it's an eruption, like a volcano. Like a volcano erupting. That's what rage is like. It's when anger erupts. The Bible says refrain from that. Give it up. It's not worth it. Do not be agitated. It can only bring what? Harm. Psalm 37, 8. And then lastly, in the New Testament. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger, for human anger does not, this is huge, human anger does not accomplish God's righteousness. And in a couple weeks, we're going to read, and we've been singing a song called This is the Kingdom. You guys know that one? This is the kingdom. This is the kingdom. You know, the the one that repeats those words over and over again because sometimes we forget, and so we need to be reminded. And in that song, we're taught to seek first the kingdom, and all his righteousness. This says that human anger, that unrighteous anger, that not good anger, it it doesn't accomplish God's plan, his righteousness. And so that's just a few verses. Now, what else does Jesus say? Well, let's go on to verse 22. Remember, this is the, but I tell you verse. We already read it, we're gonna unpack it. There's three parts to it. But I tell you, everyone who is angry, so let's put that one up there first. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. I'm gonna give you a little bit of time to write it down. Whoever is angry, or kids, you can just write the word angry if you want. Whoever's angry, and Jesus says, whoever is angry in an unrighteous way, you're, you're liable to judgment. What does that mean? Well, there's a consequence for it. God judges sin. It's part of who he is, friends. God is a just God. Just means that God does what is right. He handles it. He handles all business like it should be. Everything that needs a response, God handles it. He takes care of it. He does what is right. And sin... The Bible tells us the wages of sin is death. And so when sin happens, the consequence really is death. And so sometimes that literally means someone dies because they did not make a wise choice. Or what, what most of the time we think of is a spiritual death where we're separated from God, where it creates a space in between us. It's kind of like we're on one mountain and God's on another mountain. We can kind of see each other, but we're really far away. And so we can't get to each other. There's gotta be something to bridge that gap. And I'm gonna share what that bridge is towards the end of the message. The second part, Jesus says, not only whoever is unrighteously angry, you're liable to judgments, so be careful, but whoever insults, you're liable to the courts. 
The, the idea here was the Sanhedrin. They were, they, they were like the religious courts for the Jewish community. That was not a place you wanted to end up. It was where Jesus ended up at the end of his life, and they treated him very poorly. And they did not always do things justly. But Jesus makes an interesting statement. He says, whoever insults, there's this word raka. How many of you guys have raka in your Bible? It says raka somewhere. Yeah, it's kind of a strange word we bump into. It's like, okay, I don't, I don't speak that language. What is that word? Let me just make it easy for you. Jesus is saying, whoever says raka really insults someone. So it's when we get angry and then we, and then we call them a name. And what raka means, literally kids and, and adults, is empty-headed. It means you're a dummy. It's like calling someone an idiot, right? Which is not a nice word. I, I used it because I'm telling you what the word is, but I'm not encouraging you to use that word. You're welcome, parents. So, um, raka means empty-headed. It means they're dumb. They're a dummy. And so Jesus says, if you're going to get angry with someone and call them a dummy, if you're going to call them a, uh, even some other translations, some more old school words like blockhead and some other things like that, throw back to Charlie Brown, amen. And so, um, you know, blockhead, dummy, if we're going to do that to someone, Jesus says that's not a good idea. Because what does that do inside of our hearts? Do good things grow in that Petri dish? When we call people names, bad. Yeah, it's not a good idea. It hurts them. It hurts their feelings. And it does not honor that other person, but it also hurts us. And sometimes we think we call somebody a name. It just hurts them. Ha, I got you back. But really, really it's hurting us because that Petri dish and that factory is in your heart. And then we're not honoring them either. But what's the third part? Then Jesus says, not only whoever's angry, whoever insults, but whoever curses the verse literally says here in verse 22, whoever says, you fool, you fool. That word fool, kids, the, the Bible was written in, in the Greek language and translated to English. And so that original word, everybody say this with me, moros, moros. Now what adults, what English word does that sound like? Moron, all right? And so, now that kind of sounds like the other thing we were talking about, but in the original Greek word, this wouldn't have simply meant like we would think moron. Like, you know, we all kind of know what that means. But the original word would have meant someone who is unregenerate or unsaved, someone who is headed for hell. Someone who does not know God, someone that has rejected his love and plan and grace and said, no, thanks God, I wanna do things my way. It's like calling some, it's basically telling someone that they are headed towards hell. And we have all kinds of phrases in our modern culture. Uh, adults, you can just plug the pieces where they go. I'm not, I'm not gonna empty those out for us this morning uh, for our mixed audience. Uh, but um, but we, we say these kind of things sometimes in our world today. We tell people where they can go, Right? There's different things like that. And so Jesus says, if you're, if you're taking it to that level, you're assigning them eternal punishment. That's a big deal. We ought to be really careful. And if there's anything that we hear, guys, I know we just unpacked three specific things. We're gonna zoom out. If I lost you, come back in. We're going to just say, we need to be careful with our anger. We need to be careful with the words that we use when we're angry because they matter. They matter to God. They hurt us when we use yucky words when we're angry, and they hurt others. And we wanna love our neighbor as ourselves. Jesus was pretty, pretty set on teaching us that. You know what we do? We tend to get angry. We tend to hold on to resentment. Humans tend to refuse to forgive. And that Petri dish we talked about earlier, 
you know, in that we're not really convinced that God is the God of justice, that he's going to take care of it. But friends, God will handle that part. We shouldn't try to play God. We shouldn't, we shouldn't believe that we're the, we're the sole arbiters of retributive justice. We seek justice by doing what is best and what God says is right. And we let God handle the consequences, trusting that he'll be faithful. As we just sang, faithful you are, faithful you will be. God is faithful. He will set it all out. All right, a couple more things this morning, ready? The second encouragement this morning is to get right with others before you worship. Did you know the Bible talks about what we do before we come to worship? It says that we should get right with others first. It says that we should, that we should talk with them and try to, try to be reconciled, to try to fix sometimes a conflict or a, or, or, or a problem. And so Jesus has already exposed the heart of sinful anger. Now he wants to move us to, to dealing decisively with sin. So you can feel free to write this down. Jesus calls us to deal decisively. Decisively means decision, means we make a decision. I'm going to deal decisively with sin. I'm not going to ignore it. Say, oh, well, nobody's perfect. I guess I'll just try better next time. No, I'm going to try to fix this problem. I'm going to make a better choice next time. I'm going to be intentional about it. So Jesus calls us to deal decisively with sin in this passage, and you will see that through the Sermon on the Mount. If you want to put a little star and say, hey, this is a pattern that Jesus is going to do over and over again. Because he is. Now let's read the next couple of verses. Ready? So if you're offering, as Tabor talked about an offering this morning in our, in our uh, devotion earlier, kids, for those of you that got to church super early and we had a little devotion, remember there was an offering for kids that just joined us a little while ago. We had this, um, you know, we had this thing called an offering. And, and we come to church every week and, and we bring money sometimes to church or sometimes we give online on our computers. But the point is we give a gift, a money gift to God because we love him. Not because we have to, but because we want to. Not, not because somebody's making us feel guilty about it, but because it's a way we can worship him. And it's how the work of the church happens. It's a way we can advance the kingdom in this world and make sure other people hear about Jesus. But Jesus says, if you're offering your gift at the altar, or to put it in layman's terms, if, if you're worshiping, if you're coming to church and worshiping, or worshiping anywhere where there's an altar, there you remember, oh yeah, my brother or sister has something against me. Your brother or sister has something against you. Leave your gift there in front of the altar first. Here's where you underline. First, go and be reconciled with your brother or sister. When do we do it? First. So that means it's a priority, right? That means before we can worship, we must be reconciled. Then come and offer your gift. You cannot worship, friends, this morning, we, you cannot worship God rightly without having a clear conscience and right relationships. It's not always up to you and me. I'm not saying that if you're at odds with anyone, then don't bother worshiping God. It's not that simple. But what Jesus says is that, see, Romans 12, 18 is a verse that, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go ahead and jump to it, Dwayne. I'm sorry to, to throw you off. It, it's, it's down further there, but it, it, it belongs better here. Romans 12, 18, ready? If possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Okay, so the key word, as far as it depends on you. So you and I do everything we can to make that right. We take those steps and say, hey, we need to talk. Hey, we, hey, we need to meet. Hey, hey, we need to do X, Y, and Z. And again, what we wanna do in our flesh is step back. We wanna kind of turtle up and hide and, and, and maybe just like not deal with it. Uh, but what happens in that time, as, we, as you guys said earlier, it tends to get worse when that happens. So if it possible, as far as depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Now we're headed back up to 23 and 24. 
He says, go be reconciled before you worship. Why? Because sinful attitudes rob us of intimate worship with God. There are few other things as we stand out and worship together. As we all stand, we lift our hands, we lift our hearts, we pray uh, together down here. We're, we're led by uh, our amazing worship team that leads us every single week. And, and we sing to the Lord. Sometimes what holds us back are, are those attitudes, are, are what is growing in the Petri dish. And part of what we do at church, kids and adults in the room, we come to church some weeks and those things are on our hearts and we remember what they are, especially when we see what God says in his Bible and we go, ooh, my life doesn't really match up with that. I might need to change that. I might need to try to fix that, right? I'm not keeping that rule like I should. So we do what's called repent, which means we, we don't go our way anymore in that sinful way. We go God's way. We turn around. And so Jesus is clear. Our relationships and our worship are extremely connected. Feel free to write that down. Your relationships, my relationships, and our worship are extremely connected. We, we cannot separate them. We call this a vertical relationship. Verticals which way, big, big, big kids in the room? Vertical, this way, right, up and down. That's connected to our horizontal relationships, this way. It makes a cross, doesn't it? Our vertical relationship with God is connected to our horizontal relationships with others. They're, they're connected. Why? Because it's hypocritical to sing songs centered around the grace and mercy of God when we're withholding that very gift from others. I'll say it again, it's hypocritical to sing, God, thank you for your grace and mercy for my life when I'm not gonna display that grace and mercy to someone else's life. Completely, and Jesus was pretty hard on hypocrisy, which means that we wear a mask and we're not who we say we are, that we say one thing, but we do another. Jesus wants us to be consistent. Sometimes we want others to earn from us what has been freely given to us in Jesus, Right? So go first and be reconciled. Because you know why? Reconciliation's at the heart of God. He says, if you're a Christian in the room, you're supposed to be a person of reconciliation. Like that's supposed to be the way your life is oriented. You're supposed to go into the mess of the world and try and reconcile people first to God. That's why our, that's why our mission statement at Anchor Church is to connect people to God. That's the first part for that reason. To God, to his word, and to his mission. It's all about reconciliation. And so, anger sometimes causes us to be destroyers rather than builders. Kids, 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 you know what this is like when you're building Legos and you've worked on that Lego and you get it all the way up top and you build that big Lego house, EG's getting excited, and you build that big Lego thing and then someone comes in and they destroy it. Does that make you happy or sad, Samuel? Sad, right? It makes everybody else sad too. It makes, it makes me sad for you. And it, would, and it would make me sad if I had spent time um, and lots of money, uh, building a Lego, uh, something, something that I created and that someone came along or maybe your dog, sometimes the dog's not paying attention and just runs over the whole thing. And so anger causes us to be destroyers rather than builders and Christ has called us to be a builder. He's called us to build others up, to, to edify the church. That's that big word that means to build up. And so let's go over our last encouragement today. This is, this is where we're gonna end. Our last encouragement from Jesus. Jesus says, settle your difficulties with urgency. Kids, urgency means quickly. It means hurry up and avoid bigger troubles later. We've already mentioned this, so we're gonna go pretty quick. Remember that verse in Romans 12, 18? If possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace 
with others. Jesus says in verse 25, let's just read the last two verses. Reach a settlement quickly with your adversary. Oh man, okay, whoa, all right, Jesus. You said brother and sister, I kinda, I kinda get that. <laughs> I, kinda, I kinda get that person I know, that person I eat lunch with at work, and we're kind of at odds, we're gonna reconcile it. But who'd, who'd you say? Reach a settlement quickly with who? Your adversary. Adults, what's an adversary mean? It's an enemy. It's somebody that is not your friend. This is someone that you have a big problem with. This is someone who has a big problem with you. A person that always seems to have a problem with you, that's your adversary. And Jesus is gonna say something even crazier later. I'm gonna go ahead and spoil it right now. He's gonna tell us to love those people. He's gonna say, not only are you supposed to settle the matter quickly with urgency, but you're supposed to love that person. This is a, this is quite a different life that Jesus is calling us to, isn't it, from the world? Settle it quickly, verse 25, reach a settlement quickly with your adversary while you're on the way with him to court or your adversary will hand you over to the judge. This is all like a thought experiment. Jesus is painting a picture for what this might look like in this day and age because people took people to court a lot. I know it seems a little extreme nowadays. It still happens. I don't know um, if that's happening as often in our culture in 2023 if we're just like casually taking each other to court to sue each other. Um, But Jesus is saying, instead of doing all that, Settle it quickly. Or what will happen? Jesus tells us. Jesus tells us, truly I tell you, you will never get out of there until you paid the last penny. Jesus says there's a consequence for nursing your anger, for not resolving quickly, and letting things get out of control. Okay? We see this on those TV judge programs, right? Judge Judy, right? Judge Mathis, judge judge whoever. And we see these situations, and half the time, if you've watched that before, I haven't watched them forever, but if you, if you have watched them before, you go like, y'all are in court over that? Like 80% of the time, it's like, y'all, y'all, y'all couldn't have just worked this out instead of dragging each other on like a major TV channel and raking each other through the mud and all that. You see how messy that stuff gets? It's like an episode of Jerry Springer. It's crazy. These situations. Don't go watch Jerry Springer. I'm not, I'm not advocating that. Reach it quickly, urgency. Again, friends, we're not responsible for other people's response, only our own heart, but it may not be possible at this point for reconciliation. Maybe both parties aren't in the same place, but we're called, here's the crazy thing, we're called to display grace and mercy anyway, to give it away generously. There's a steep price to pay for not settling them quickly. Harboring resentment will only bring more trouble in the end. And so our conflicts get more and more messy. We're committed to payback more than we're committed to grace, mercy, and forgiveness. I'm gonna say that again. We're committed to payback. I'm gonna get you back more than extending grace, mercy, and forgiveness. And I know know it's hard. I'm not saying it's easy, but I'm telling you that it's worth it and that you will actually feel the freedom from extending undeserved forgiveness. You will feel freedom in that because what happens is when we withhold it, what God gives so freely, when we say, no, no, you can't have that, you have to earn it, you put yourself in a prison. Remember that heart factory we showed? It's like you lock it up in jail and you don't let that heart thrive and it puts you in a really bad place. You know what Jesus did for us? He offered grace and mercy. Every one of us in the room have sinned against God's plan. All of us like sheep, the Bible says, has gone astray. And because of that, We're not reconciled to God because of sin. 
but we can be reconciled to God. We can be brought back to him in a good relationship if we believe in Jesus. If we repent of our sin, we say, okay, I'm going the way of sin. Nope, not not going that way anymore. That's not gonna be good for me. God's way is this way and I'd rather go that way. So I'm gonna turn around and go this way, the way of Jesus. So we have to repent in our hearts. We have to change. We have to change our minds and go, no, I'm not, I'm not just going to do whatever I want to do anymore. I want to live Jesus' way. And so is that you? Do you, do you want to live Jesus' way? Have you ever made that decision before? It's, it's a choice you have to make. Kids, kids and adults in the room. It's a choice you may have already made in the room. But maybe there's some of you here today, you would say, that sounds like a life I want to live, but I've never really prayed to Jesus about that choice. You can pray to him this morning. You can just say, Jesus, I know I'm a sinner, but I need your grace and mercy. I, I need to be forgiven of my sin. I, I turn from my sin and I trust in you as my Lord and Savior. And you can pray that this morning during our response time in a moment. The Bible says everyone that calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And you can be saved from your sin today. He'll make you a new person. He'll change your heart. That heart factory we saw, if there's some messed up stuff in there, he'll give you a new heart. He'll give you a fresh start. You can start fresh in the day. Maybe there's others of us in the room today we are like, you know what, man, I really struggle with this anger thing. And let me tell you, I don't think there's a person here that doesn't struggle with this topic on some level. Okay, we all do. I do. But let's make a commitment together as a church. Can we do that this morning? Lean into this. Let's, let's not ignore it. Can we do that? Can we, kids, kids and adults in the room, can we make a commitment not to ignore our anger and pretend like it doesn't exist? But let's see what's there. Ask, does this honor Jesus? Is this what Jesus would want? And if not, then we can pray to him and say, Jesus, I'm sorry for the ways that I haven't honored you in this way. Will you show me grace and mercy and forgiveness? And guess what Jesus says when we pray a prayer like that? He doesn't say, yeah, but you're gonna have to give lots of money. Yeah, but you're gonna have to come to church more. Yeah, but you're gonna have to read your Bible seven times a day and pray 2,000 prayers and do some spiritual jumping jacks. No, Jesus says, yes, and amen. Can we pray together? All across the room, heads bowed, eyes closed. Jesus, we love you. Jesus, your ways are better. (laughs) Your ways are better than what the world tells us. The world tells us to be angry, to get them back. The world tells us they deserve it. You should be angry at them. The world that we live in, our culture likes to feed anger. We see it on the news. We see it on social media, Lord. We see it sometimes, Lord, we see it in our families. Sometimes we see it with our friendships. And God, we need help. We confess our need for you. As the Psalm says in the Bible, Lord, we lift our eyes up to the hills where our help comes from. Our help comes from the Lord. Lord, help us in our anger. The unrighteous kind, the kind that causes issues in us and separates us from others. Help us to be friends with one another. Help us to come back to being friends with one another. Even with those who we would say, yeah, they're, they're an enemy. Yeah, they're a bully. Yeah, I don't, I don't really care for them too much. Lord, help us care for others, even others who have mistreated us. And help us remember, Lord Jesus, that you did that all the way to the cross that you died on for us. That you prayed for people on that cross. As you hung on that cross, paying, paying for our sins so we could be forgiven. You said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And Lord Jesus, we know if you can forgive, 
in that situation and we have your spirit within us, then Lord, we can forgive in our situations in our life. We can seek out reconciliation. Help us do all that, not in our own power, Lord Jesus, but in your power. We lift all that up in Jesus' name, amen. Hey friends, can we stand together? We're we're gonna sing one more song before we finish our service today. And this is our response time. This is our response time. So my my hope and prayer, and I know, um, you know, Evan and I have talked a lot about how, you know, what our hope and prayer is for this time of response. We hope this is a time where you will genuinely respond to what you've heard. There was something in the message today that got your attention, something, some, some, something that grabbed you and just said, hey, this is important. And we can sing the words on, on the screen, but we can also just pray to God in this time. You can kneel down, stand up, sit down in your chair and just pray to him silently. Pray out loud, whatever you need to do, however you need to respond, feel free to respond to him as we declare Jesus over everything, over fear, over anger, over sin, over all our struggles and shame and guilt. He is Lord of all. Let's sing together today. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit anchorchurchcsra.com or follow us on social media at anchorchurchcsra.com.